This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. This week's guest is Chef Michelle Nishan, CEO and founder of Wholesome Wave. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Chef Michelle Nishan next. In rural America, there are three things that never change. The land, the determination of the families that farm it, and the loyalty of their co-ops, which provide the markets, inputs, and agronomic expertise farmers and ranchers need to stay profitable. CHS, the nation's leading cooperative, is proud to connect member cooperatives and producers to the value of an energy, grains, and food company they own. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Chef Michel Nishan is an advocate for the power of food to enhance a person's quality of life and to build opportunities for local farmers to provide healthy fruits and vegetables for hungry people. From his experience as a young man on a family farm, a chef for over 35 years, and a father, Nishan's vision is an innovative farm-to-grocery nutrition model called Wholesome Wave. I started Wholesome Wave when I, when I was a chef. Uh, motivated by uh, my two sons having type 1 diabetes. And when I learned that what we did with their long-term diet would have more to do with the success of their long-term life and outcome, that was something that really moved me. And the more I studied, and we worked as a family to provide Chris and Ethan the best diet possible so that they could be healthy and have a long, happy life, I learned about type 2 diabetes. And the important difference between type 1 and type 2 is that type 2 actually is caused by diet, which means it can be prevented through diet, Mm -hmm. in some cases reversed in the early stages through diet, and then all of the horrible things that come along with diabetes, the organ failure, the blindness, the amputations, dialysis can be greatly mitigated through managing your disease through diet. So um, I, I felt, wow, this is awesome. I'm a chef. I've got this. We can change the world through food. Uh, but um, I then learned that the majority of people that are either pre-diabetic or suffer from the disease are are at income levels that disallow them from being able to choose the food they need. And one of the most important things that you can eat are, are lots of fruits and vegetables, uh, getting the fiber, getting the macro and micronutrients that you need for your body to be able to have you know healthy glucose production, um, um, ins- insulin acceptance, and all of those things. So that it's that pressure and that tension of understanding. I couldn't open a restaurant <laughs> for people struggling with poverty where they could come and have healthy food like I was able to do with my own restaurant. Um, so that that's what led to the founding of Wholesome Wave. And chef, so that we understand. Wholesome Wave enables lower-income people to use their Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program benefits in ways that, in cases, doubles or even more than that. 
the amount of fruits and vegetables that they could purchase? That's right. So we, we um, until we were successful uh, working with other groups getting the Food Insecurity Nutrition Incentive Program into the, the, the last farm bill, we largely raised private money to double the value of food stamp benefits, otherwise known as SNAP, mm-hmm. the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, um, to double the value of the SNAP benefit when spent on fruits and vegetables at farmers markets and participating retailers. Mm-hmm. And the the results have been astonishing. We started in 2008 in three states and ten farmers markets. By 2012, when we were deep in the talks with the first run at the Farm Bill, we were in almost 30 states and 500 markets, uh, groups working in other markets doing their own incentive programs. It just the, the idea caught on and spread like wildfire because... In places like Inglewood on the west side of Chicago, which is a very dangerous and very poor neighborhood, farmers markets were becoming viable in places where grocery stores couldn't go. Um, and we, it, it was just stunning to see the number, the hundreds and hundreds of markets that started opening up in, in, in disadvantaged urban and rural communities because people demand, were looking for that good fresh fruits and vegetables. We know there are lots of avid gardeners across the country, even First Lady Michelle Obama. But they may not know that the SNAP program enables people to use their benefits for the purchase of both seeds and plants. Yes. Well, the USDA says they don't track how much the program is used for this. So um, are are you seeing any uptick in the number of people that are growing their own food in addition to buying what others have for sale? Yeah, you know, it I, I, It really, I, it, it's befuddling that they don't track it. They really should um, because uh, I think I have seen, um, and there's a program called Snap Gardens that, that uh, a young gentleman, Daniel Bowman si- Simon, started because there's a very limited awareness amongst the Snap population that they can use their benefits to buy seeds or agricultural plants, which, of course, is the most effective way to get bang for your buck on food. You know, uh, a pound of field tomatoes might cost a dollar. A tomato plant is like a dollar seventy nine or two fifty, depending on how big it is, and and you get twenty pounds of tomatoes from it. So we've seen in communities in the South Bronx, uh, there's a woman, Karen Washington, who started La Familia Verde Community Gardening Network, where all of her gardeners, her guerrilla gardeners, she calls them, uses their SNAP benefits to buy seeds and plants. Not only do they grow their own food, but they got legislation passed in New York City that allows them to sell some of the food that they grow in their communities to residents of their community. So when you have a family of four with a single parent that's relying on $28,000 a year as their income living in an urban area like New York, spending you know 40% of their, their, uh, their uh, salary on food, and then they can, you know, buy seeds and agricultural plants, feed their family some of that food, and then sell some of it. And some of these gardeners make two or $300 a week for the 20 weeks during the season. Mm-hmm. It completely changes the economic value of their income. It just it changes their lives. So we've seen in, in the self-esteem from growing your own food, the kids grow up food literate. They're more open-minded to science because they have to deal with things like powdery mildew <laughs> in an urban environment, and it's 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 magical. So uh, you know, I, I think uh, 
um, when you look at all of the misunderstandings and mis, mis, uh, misassumptions around the SNAP program, it would be in USDA's best interest to demonstrate that this is something that is one of the best uses of SNAP dollars and that people actually are doing that. And it's responsible for why you see an explosion in community gardens in, in the poor neighborhoods outside of Columbus, Ohio, Chicago, Illinois, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Appalachia. It's, it's, really, it's, it's really remarkable. So earlier this month, you received a $500,000 grant for areas in Vermont and Connecticut to expand the Wholesome Wave program. We also understand that there are matching funds involved. So could you tell us how this works and what it's going to mean for those impacted communities? Sure. So so we work with a variety of, of companies and nonprofit organizations to raise the money for the match because the food insecurity nutrition incentive program requires that you know, public-private partnership approach. They, you know, if you want to draw down the federal money, you have to demonstrate this is something that you want in your community. Uh, you're going to invest in it. You're going to have some skin in the game. So we go raise that money. And this particular grant we're excited about because it's allowing us to expand our program throughout grocery retailers and food deserts uh, in the Hartford area, which is a, a very underserved community in Connecticut. Connecticut, it's the state capital there's an incredible amount of very intense poverty. In fact, there's one neighborhood in in um, in Hartford, West Hartford, that's the poorest community in all of New England. So, it's there's <clears throat> it's it's a pretty decimated area economically. Um, and we ran a pilot there last year with the incentive programs, and it increased the overall SNAP sales at one participating grocer thirty percent. Um, and he redeemed close to $100,000 just in the incentives alone. So for a small business, grocery business, uh, in a food desert area that previously didn't offer much in the line of fruits and vegetables or healthier foods to see your sales go up $100,000 just in the incentives, which means SNAP consumers spend at least $100,000 of their own of their uh, own benefits, that's almost a quarter of a million dollars in additional business to to uh, a grocer like that. That that's real small business support, um, and it's for for Connecticut grown fruits and vegetables. So that SNAP money that goes into the state of Connecticut actually stays in the state of Connecticut, gets spent on things grown in the state of Connecticut. And that's important to us because so much of the food that, that is available in grocery stores these days are imported. A lot of the instant noodles and the processed products that that people can afford to buy on SNAP don't come from the United States, aren't packaged in the United States. So when we can see a federal program to the tune of over $70 billion um, see it repurposed in a way that as much of that money as possible gets spent on something grown in the United States. That's, I think that's a good idea. Certainly there's been a, a lot of movement toward and promotion of locally grown fruits and vegetables, and they are delicious. But we also know that in the U.S. it's just not possible for a few months out of the year to have those. So do you fear that with the emphasis on fresh, 
that we're somehow downgrading the benefits of frozen fruits and vegetables? Uh, are, are, are we implying that fresh is really the only good option? No, a- actually, it's all fruits and vegetables. So it's, it's, it's fresh, it's frozen, and canned unadulterated. So if there's no significant added salt beyond what you need to be able to have a stable canned product okay. uh, and no added sugar, you can buy it. You can. It's it's eligible for the Food Insecurity and Nutrition Incentive Program. Um, I myself um, see because I spend a lot of time in the communities that we work in um, the power of the frozen vegetable. Um, the a very common dish in these communities is instant rice with cream of mushroom soup stirred in, mm-hmm. which is is filling and it is inexpensive. But it's all highly processed carbohydrates, metabolizes rapidly, can lead to obesity. Um, All you have to do is take a bag of mixed frozen vegetables and stir it into that same dish, and it completely changes the nutritional profile of that dish because of the fiber in the vegetables. Uh, It takes a longer time for the carbohydrates to metabolize. So you... You stay satiated longer. You don't get hungry as early, and you're not reaching for snack chips or something because your your meal really didn't last you very long. And then you get all of the great nutrition that comes along with vegetables as well. So uh, a lot of people misunderstand that about the Food Insecurity Nutrition Incentive Program. It's not just fresh. Uh, it's not just for farmers' markets. It's for farmers' markets, for participating retailers. There is a preference for local and regional, mm-hmm. which we think is important because that's helped us get the support of governors, uh, commissioners of agriculture. Um, in a state like Florida, for instance, that will receive $4.4 to $4.5 billion in SNAP benefits in a year, very little of that money is spent on anything grown or packaged in the state of Florida because, again, it's mostly processed food. So imagine being able to have SNAP consumers take take 10% of their their SNAP dollars and start spending them on fruits and vegetables, that would be $450 million to the state of Florida, mm-hmm. uh, their ag economy, and I think that that would be pretty awesome for them. So, as you know, there have already been several hearings in the House Ag Committee already this year on the SNAP program. And people are already certainly thinking about the next farm bill. So from your perspective, as you look at opportunities and certainly challenges with this program, what kind of advice would you have for lawmakers as they look at perhaps additional reforms or advancements in the SNAP program? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, it's it absolutely works when you look at the number of people that are struggling with poverty and you kind of divide the dollars between what they spend in snap and what they spend in their own money sorry about that <clears throat> what they spend in snap and what they spend in their own money it's it's about 6 dollars a day for breakfast lunch and dinner per person which is not a lot of money um, so, and, and these are people, the majority of people that are on SNAP are working. They're just not making enough money, um, which is why they're able to spend some of their own money on food. It's not, it's not like they're not working at all and they're getting free money from the government and, 
and putting food on the table that way. So it's, it's not enough. Um, and when we look at the fact that it is spent on agricultural product, it's, that's an important amount of money to keep in the economy. One of the things about people becoming unemployed or underemployed and then going into poverty is that they can't spend money on anything and they're not contributing to the economy. So it just keeps people eating, keeps money in the food sector. So I think it's important. I think when we look at <clears throat> money within the system, reforms to me is how do we come, become more efficient effective getting SNAP consumers to make healthier food choices? We can either um, spend money marketing to them to make a healthier food choice, which I think is a waste of money in many cases because the bottom line is they can't afford to make the healthier food choice. So it's kind of like marketing marketing expensive cars in places like Nota Selga, Alabama, where my brother John lives. It's a very rural area, Alabama. It's like you can spend all the marketing money you want. People are still going to buy a used car because that's what they can afford. So um, I think if you can actually look at um, administrative monies that are in the system and shifting them from marketing um, healthier food choices to actually incentivizing the healthier food choice, it will result in immediate healthier food choices and much greater support for America's specialty crop growers. Um, it's just who create a lot of jobs. I mean, specialty crops, they're, they're more labor-intensive. They you required specialized equipment. All of those things, all of those sectors improve if you look at being able to shift. Like if, if we were able to get 10% of SNAP to be spent on fruits and vegetables, that would be $7.5 billion to the specialty crop economy. So so I, I think it's a great program. I think um, if it's run more like a business, <laughs> that you know it, it could actually um, have even a greater impact than it already has. I think it, its impacts are fantastic as it is. I think if we can actually reorganize the program so it's easier for people to make the healthier food choice because they can actually afford it, that things would things would improve not only for folks on SNAP, but also for the farming and support services community. Our thanks to Chef Michelle Nishan, founder and CEO of Wholesome Wave, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.